Are we passing the threshold of human survivability? That story and more on H2O Radio's Weekly News Report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Extremely hot and humid conditions occur twice as often now as they did 40 years ago around the world, and the severity is increasing. In a new study, scientists at Columbia University have shown that the combination of heat and humidity, which can often be fatal, is already passing the threshold of what humans can survive in some places. Humidity diminishes the body's ability to cool itself through sweating. When conditions reach a certain point, outdoor activities are virtually impossible. The new research looked at hourly data from more than 7,800 weather stations around the planet. In addition to temperature and humidity, the scientists incorporated wind speed and solar radiation in a measurement called the wet bulb index, which, if above 90 degrees Fahrenheit, will stress a human working or exercising in the sun in 15 minutes. Scientists widely accept 95 degrees as the highest wet bulb temperature a person can withstand. The new research concluded that there are many vulnerable locations around the world, including the coasts of Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Last week, President Trump signed an executive order directing his administration to strengthen the offshore fish farming industry by speeding up environmental impact statements and reviews. The move is meant to strengthen aquaculture of fish and shellfish, often raised in nets or pens in the ocean. A food industry group called Stronger America Through Seafood, which has been trying to expand fish farming, supported the announcement. In a statement, the group sponsored by Red Lobster and Cargill, among others, said Trump's order will clarify regulations and reduce barriers that limit offshore aquaculture. But there was widespread criticism from environmental groups. Friends of the Earth said in a statement that the move threatens ocean ecosystems and coastal economies. Offshore aquaculture facilities use giant floating cages allowing toxic pollution, including pesticides and antibiotics, to flow into open waters, threatening wild fish. Environmental attorney Marianne Cafone said the federal government should strengthen local food security during the COVID-19 crisis by supporting sustainable seafood rather than allowing corporations to pollute the ecosystems we depend on. The official start of the hurricane season is June 1st, and it's forecast to be worse than usual. If an area is hit, preparing and responding will be more challenging with the COVID-19 pandemic because it will be difficult to evacuate targeted areas and to shelter people while social distancing. But now, Earther reports, a new wrinkle has emerged. The virus appears to be spread through human feces, raising the possibility that heavy storms could damage infrastructure meant to contain waste. Studies have found COVID-19 in the feces of patients and in their guts. In one case, it was found in a person's feces 33 days after their respiratory samples tested negative. Hurricanes have been known to overwhelm wastewater plants with heavy rain and storm surges. Winds can knock out power to treatment facilities, leading to sewage backups into streets, which now could possibly carry the virus. Snowpack in the U.S. West is melting earlier this year. The Washington Post reports that in some parts of California, snow cover could be completely gone more than a month earlier than average. In Colorado, recent warm temperatures have led to an unusual loss of nearly half the snowpack in about the last two weeks. The rapid melting will fill reservoirs earlier than usual, but it could also dry out the ground and vegetation more quickly, increasing the danger of wildfires. Firefighters 
in California gathered last week to prepare, and they made it clear that the summer would not mimic last year when wildfires remained small and manageable into August. Officials there were urging the public to prepare for wildfires by clearing brush and reviewing evacuation plans, especially while staying home due to the pandemic. The U.S. Drought Monitor indicated that in Colorado, more than 60 percent of the state was in drought conditions, and more than three-quarters is abnormally dry. As the Denver Post reports, the good news is that the conditions probably won't lead to any significant flooding, which typically occur with rapid snowmelt and heavy rain events. Finally, toxic algal blooms are a serious problem created when runoff from fertilizers and other pollutants send high amounts of nitrogen and phosphorus into waterways. But nitrogen and phosphorus are exactly the ingredients that marijuana growers need for their plants. So after seeing a severe algal bloom kill more than 200 manatees in his part of southwest Florida, Steve Edmonds got an idea. Why not grow hemp plants, the non-intoxicating version of cannabis, to suck the nutrients out of Florida's lakes and rivers? Edmonds pitched the idea to researchers at South Florida State College, and they're launching a pilot project to determine just how much nitrogen and phosphorus a single hemp plant could absorb. To conduct their study, two four-foot-wide hydroponic biomats will be anchored in a lake near the college and float on top of the water away from other vegetation. The hemp roots will hang in the water and absorb the nutrients. After filtering the lake, the hemp can be harvested and used in a range of items from textiles and beauty products to dietary supplements and biodegradable plastics. In addition, according to a news release from the college, hemp can be used as a source of renewable energy and can be made into a non toxic, fireproof, and mold-resistant building material like hempcrete that weighs far less than concrete. It will be the first bioremediation project using hemp on waterways in the U.S. Edmonds, who is the founder of Hemp for Water, hopes the process could be scaled up to restore the highly contaminated Lake Okeechobee. It could also save a lot of money used to clean waterways and could introduce a new estimated $35 billion crop to the state. That's it for this week in water. We'll see you next time.